As I mentioned earlier today, we'll be continuing our our sermon series called Lies Christians Believe. Uh, One of the things that we've been talking about is just there are a lot of little lies that we perhaps have uh, come across or subconsciously bought into that we didn't realize even that we're believing in it. And one of the dangers of uh, having these small lies is eventually influence our mindset, our worldview, our our, our way of living that... um, that we may stop seeing God's truth completely and living in opposed, in opposition to God's truth and word. Uh, as I was praying for our sermons, sermon to this week, uh, John chapter 8 came to mind. John chapter 8, verse 31 to 32 says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, and these are the Jews that will put their trust in Jesus. Jesus reminded them this very, very important uh, promise and also truth is that if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What a great promise. What a great opportunity for us. Jesus said when we abide, connect, remain, stay close together with his word, that's one, for one, it is evidence of who we are as disciples. But not only that, we will get to know the truth. So there's no truth apart from the word of God. And this truth, not only do we know it, it's that it does something amazing. It will set us free. It will set us free from the lies of this world, lies of Satan, lies of our enemy. Last week, we talked about how God, uh, the, the first lie, right? That God just wants us to be happy. By God's providence, providence it's amazing. I came across two or three other uh, sermons from different churches that talk about exact same topic. How happiness oftentimes is what the American dream is all about. And yet last week we saw God wants something even better. He God doesn't just want happiness for us because that's temporary. But God wanted, wanted and continues to want joy for our lives. Because joy is eternal. Joy has nothing to do with circumstances. Joy has to do with who Jesus is for us. So we're going to continue today. We're going to touch on a different lie, perhaps one that you have set yourself. And I know, certainly I've said it many, many times, uh, is this lie that God won't give me more than what I can handle. Uh, oftentimes we hear that from when people are going through a tough time and they say, God won't give me more than what I can handle. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, I, you know, sometimes uh, when people make a comment, um, in, you might say one thing, but then you really think something else. Like this idea of the thought bubble, right? So maybe if someone asks, your friend asks you, how do I look? How do I look in this dress? You say, oh, you look fine. But the thought bubble is, no, you look terrible. You should probably change. But you're nice. You don't want to say it, right? So you have these thought bubbles in your head. And maybe someone said, uh, hey, I can totally help you with with uh, fixing your house. But you know in your head that your friend is terrible at painting. So you have you may say that, oh, thank you, but no thanks, I'm okay but in your head, you're thinking, please do not come over with a paintbrush. So you have these thought bubble, what really, what you meant by that, what you really feel. And at times when we come across this, like even when we say, oh, God won't give me what I can, uh, what I cannot handle, won't give me more than what I can handle. I wonder sometimes if the thought bubble in our head is really not that God won't give us what uh, more than what we can handle is more that we're pleading with God and say, God, please don't give me anything that I cannot handle. So when we say that lie, we're really not saying that, wow, God, uh, God, we're not talking about God. We're talking more about ourselves. 
when we say that lie to uh, use that uh, use that uh, line and tell people or even believe in it, we're not really saying, man, God just won't give me more than what I can handle. Maybe perhaps what we're we're really saying is, God, please don't give me more than what I can handle. Because I don't want to be in that place where I'm stretched, I'm I'm pressed, I, I'm I, I'm I'm going through uh, hardship, trials, difficulties. I don't want that. None of us want that. So this lie that that not lie number two that God won't give us more than what we can handle is actually never appeared in Scripture. And for most of the time, when people use it, they are thinking uh, from First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. Here's what it says. No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Most of the time when people make reference to to that line, oh, God won't give me more than what I can handle. Uh, If they are looking at scripture, scripture, they will look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and say, wow, see, this is the reason why I say what I say. See, it says God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So obviously God won't give you give me more than what I can handle. Now, I'm not going to talk uh, this, uh, go through this sermon particularly on this passage, but what I would like to point out is simply this. The context of this passage is really about temptation. And it is true that the, the whole, whole focus of this passage is telling Paul, telling us as Christians that we will all face temptations. We'll all face temptation of one kind or another. Maybe what I struggle with, you don't struggle with. What you struggle with, I don't struggle with. But the reality, we will all face uh, uh, temptation. The difference is we have the ability to face them, not because of what we can handle or not. Look at what it says. God is faithful. It is because God is faithful, we can handle the temptation. And it says with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape for you. So again, it is not whether I can handle the temptation, whether I can deal with the temptation is God is faithful and God promised to provide a way out for us. If we are willing to step into the way out that God has given to us. So this slide that we're talking about, God won't give us more than what we can handle. It doesn't even apply in first Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And if you and I can just take a step back and think about our lives, think about it. All of life is more than what we can handle. Every part of our life is more than what we can handle. Last Sunday in our uh, family worship in the afternoon with our children and families, uh, we have this profound observation by the kids. I asked them the question, what do we need from God? The kids just keep listing things after things. I need God for air. I need God for food. I need God for a home. I need God for, for, for ability to study. I need God for rest. I need God for sleep. There's absolutely nothing in this world that we don't need from God. Everything in our lives is more than what we can handle. You and I did not create the air. You and I did not create the water. Think about all the pressure that's on your life, all the schoolwork, all the expectation in the family, all the responsibility that you have. If we take a look uh, uh, in the inventory of our lives, we know deep down inside everything that we do is more than what we can handle. 
And if that is the case, and how, so what does that say about God? If that lie is true, that God won't give us more than what we can handle, and all of our life is more than what we can handle, there's two, there's, what, what that says is, if that lie is true, that means God is not real. Because all of my life is more than what I can handle. If that light is true, what do we say to a mom who, 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 have, who, who, get, who have a child who has disabilities? No mom with a, a child who has disabilities would tell you that he or she can handle that. What do we say to a family who have lost a loved one? What do we say to a family, who, who uh, a, a child, a youth, a teenager who, who live in a broken household, family, uh, uh, father and mother divorced? These are way more than what we can handle. If God won't give us more than what we can handle, and yet the reality is everything we handle is more than what we can handle, then does God is does that make God not true? Does that make God a liar? Does that make God not real? I think to the contrary, God is so real. This is why it's important for us to look at this lie and refute it shine God's truth on it so that we know that no God does not the truth the lies this is a lie that God won't give us more than what we can handle the reality is God often and always give us more than what we can handle before I address the question why he do that I want to I want us to remember that God never promises the absence of suffering and difficulty but he promises his presence in the midst of it all. This is going to be the truth that we need to hold on to. When we are walking through those tough times, when we feel like I cannot handle life, my life is crumbling, my family's crumbling, my relationship is crumbling, everything I, I touch is crumbling. In that moment, we need to re- remind ourselves the scriptures that I'm about to share with, about to share with you, the promises of God. Now, I know what's going to happen is I'm going to share a few verses with you and you're going to listen to me and you're going to feel like this is good. What I want you to do is is you're going to put it away and think like I'll never use it. What I want you to do is I actually want you to write down these passages to reference. Because there is going to be a time that you will need these passages. And in fact, these are just a sample, very small samples of the promises of God in our lives. The first one I want to share with you is this Psalm 23, 4. Notice the word, even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you, God, are with me. God's rod and God's staff, they comfort me. Notice it did not say, if I ever walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says the the presence of the valley of the shadow of death is evidence in the psalmist's life, even though is happening I don't have to fear any evil. Why? Because of God's presence in my life. He will be with me. He will come for me. It didn't even say he will take away the valley of shadow of death for me, but he will be with me. He will come for me. That's the promise that God has given to us. But not only that, Psalm chapter 46, God is our refuge. I love another translation. God is our hiding place. So often we're raised to say, oh, don't be, don't be a chicken. Don't hide. Which is true on one level, but there's a, a place that we should hide is, is God. God is our hiding place. He's our refuge. He is our strength. A very 
present today help in trouble right now help in trouble you have trouble you have things more than you can handle he's right here with you therefore we will not fear against the word though the earth gives way though the mountains be moved into the hearts of the sea though its waters roar and foam though the mountains tremble and is swelling god is refuge and strength present of trouble in spite of even though mountains are falling into the sea, even though uh, the earth is shaking, even though uh, the mountain is trembling, with all else are crumbling in our lives, God promised to be the refuge and strength. A quick turn of the book of Psalm, you'll find more of these passages. I- I'll share with you one last one in Isaiah chapter 43. Showing you again that God never promised your life would be easy. Notice this time is not the word though or even though it is when. When you pass through the waters. Think of not just passing through the water like in a swimming pool. Passing through the waters means going through the storm. Going through the craziness of the ocean. I will be with you. When and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. When the flame shall not consume you. Why? For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Again, God did not promise that you will never get overwhelmed with the waters, overwhelmed with the storms of life, washed over, pushed over, carried away in the rivers of life. You will not even get burned by people, by relationship, by the brokenness of this world. He said, these things will happen, but guess what? I am the Lord, your God. I am with you. And so God is giving us all these promises to remind us that, yes, on one hand, God gave us more than what we can handle. But the promise is you don't have to handle it on your own. I am with you, working through you to handle these things that are more than what you can handle. Then I think the only question we need to ask today is then why? Why would he put us, why would he subject us to, to be pressed and, and, and pushed and stretched in that way? Why would he give us more than what we can handle? Wouldn't it be easier that God will be with me earlier so I don't have to go through these trials? <laughs> Wouldn't it be easier if God just take them away then he doesn't even need to be with me? I believe there's a simple reason why God wants us to have to go through things that more, more than what we can handle. It's one simple answer. It's simply because he wants us to know him. God wants us to experience him. God wants us to know him in a in a personal granular way in a in a life on life way god wants us to know him god wants us to enjoy him. god wants us to be satisfied by him god doesn't want us to just know about him god doesn't want us to just look at this scripture this passage i just read from isaiah and say oh yeah that's great god no god's gonna be with me but god wants you to know and experience that god actually is with you That is the reason why God wants us and allows us to go through life handling more than, uh, go through life that more than what we can handle. Because God wants us to know him. I think there are many things in our lives that we learn by experience, by experience only. 
think about if you learn how to swim. No one goes to learn how to swim by just watching a video. No one learn how to swim by, by reading a book on swimming. Now move your arm above, move your arm down, turn your head to breathe. Yes, you might know about swimming but through those means, but you actually need to jump into the pool with the risk of drowning and having someone along helping you to learn how to swim. You do not learn how to swim by watching someone else swim, you need to get in the water with the, with the chance of actually not making it and hopefully someone helping you along to learn how to swim. The same is true with relationship. A married couple does not read about each other and say they're married. They need to be in, doing life together. They need some adversity at times to strengthen that relationship, to test that relationship. You don't just read about this person and say, I'm married to this person. Man, I read everything, his history. I know his health history. I know his family history. Oh, that's why I know this person. No, you don't. You only know about this person. You don't really know if you love that person. You know how we know how we, whether we love another person? When that person wrongs us. Do I still choose to love that person? You know how I know someone will be there for me when I'm in trouble? When I'm in trouble, that person shows up. You see, this is the exact same reason to an even deeper way that God allows things to happen in our lives more than what we can handle because he wants us to know him. And there are three things I want to share with us today. Three simple things, three simple truths about God that he wants us to know about him. These are not exhaustive in any way, but I believe these three things are core to why God at times allow us to go through life with more than what we can handle. So you're taking notes. Here's the first one I would like you to write down is this. Why does God give us more than we handle? The first reason why, the first uh, thing that God wants us to know about him is simply this, that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is all controlling. God is, is, knows everything. God is in control of your life, my life, the entire creation. Sovereign is just a word that God is king. He, ha- he is sovereign overall. He's king overall. Nothing happens, both good and evil happen without him knowing. I think one of the reasons why God allows us to, to go through more than what we can handle is simple because he wants us to know that, that God is God and we're not. Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament says this. Notice the word time in here. For everything, there is a season. And a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. Isn't that that our struggle every day? That we want to do things in our own time. 
We want control over our own lives. We want to choose what we want to do. We want to organize our lives. We want to determine the outcome of our lives. We, in, in a sense, is living exact opposite of this passage. This passage is reminding us God is sovereign. He has a season and a time for everything. But in our eyes, we want to have a season and a time for what we want to do, how we want to do it, when we want to do it. But God's telling us, I am the king. I know what I'm doing. Even though there are times that you don't understand what is going on. Even though you feel like this is the worst time ever. Who likes a time of mourning? Who likes a time to die? And yet in the middle of it is the midst of it all. God is so sovereign. He can turn death into a cell, a time of joy. The whole whole journey for the Israelites moving from Egypt to the promised land is a demonstration that God is sovereign. God heard the prayer of the Israelites in Egypt serving as slave. And in that moment, you might think, well, God is so unfair. He's not listening to, to his own people. Why didn't he do something to, to allow them to be relieved from slavery under the Egyptians? And yet God is so in control. He knows there is a time that he will deliver them. But that time was not the time. And eventually delivered them. God has a way of delivering people in such a way that no man could explain. Think of the Red Sea. Who who would think to relieve the the Israelites from the Egyptians is to part the Red Sea. Who thinks to bring down the wall of Jericho is the way to claim the promised land. You see, God is so in control. He is so much in control of the timing and the way of the way the way the world works in our lives that He is sovereign over. And He's asking you and I, do you want to experience my sovereignty over your life? Who would have thought that Paul, was the once persecutor of Christianity, would turn out to be the one who wrote half the New Testament? You and I can't come up with a better way of, of, of seeing the gospel movement in the world. You and I are recipient of the gospel because of that man who once chased down Christians to put them to death. And yet God sovereignly in his way, by his time, changed this man. I think about for my own life. I would have never dreamed of sitting here in America, worshiping this God, leading others coming to know him, to help the people to mature in their faith, leading people to come to know this God. I would never dream of it 30 years ago. But yet God was so sovereign that he prepared my life all through my grade school years. I was studying in a Catholic school, in a Christian school. And when I have no interest whatsoever spiritually toward Jesus. And yet at his right timing, he brought my family from Hong Kong to San Diego. And in his sovereign control way, he knows that my parents needed to hear about Jesus. And so somehow they brought them to church. No one from church invited them. They brought my parents, my family to church, and they came to know the Lord. And sovereignly, in, in his own time, and in his own way, somehow these other uh, other um, adults in the church pray for me, been praying for me to come to know Jesus. When I all I wanted to do is show up to play at church, to play football with my friends. You see, God is always working. And the reason why sometimes God allows us to move, to, to live with more than what we can handle is because he wants us to experience that. 
If you were to ask me when I was younger, do I want to leave my, my relatives, my friends in Hong Kong and move to this country? No way. And yet, the tremendous blessing that God has brought to my life today that I can testify is simply because now I know that God is sovereign. So not only God wants us to know that he's sovereign, God also wants us to know and experience that he is all-powerful. That he is all-powerful. Ethan read the passage for us, Philippians chapter 4. I want to read it for us again, because this is, just to set you up here, Paul was writing in prison. Paul was writing in prison to the believers, telling them that, hey, don't be sad that I'm in prison. Don't be sad that maybe one day you'll be in prison. He's giving a testimony of what God is doing, what he has experienced. And notice what it says in verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul knew what it meant to be to have a lot. He also knew what it meant to have nothing. He knows what it meant to to have a lot of people for him. He also knows what it meant when, when everyone is against him. And yet at the end, it doesn't matter the circumstances. Look at verse 13. I can do all things, not period. He did not say, Paul, I can do all things. No, it was not a period. It continued on as says, through Christ who strengthens me. You see, God wants us to experience his power. God doesn't want us to do all things by ourselves. That's why many of times God allows things that more than what we can handle because he wants us to experience his power. Because he wants us not just live a half of verse 13 says, I can do all things. Ben can do all things. No, he said that's way too little of experience for you. That's way too little for you to know. I want you to know more that you can do greater things, all things, suffering things, tough things, things more than you can handle through Christ who strengthens you. So that's why God put us in situations many times that we cannot handle. So that we can say, God, you are powerful. So that we can tell God that we can experience God's power in our lives. But here's the, here's the, the tricky part about all this. We, if I had to ask you, do you want to experience God's power? All of us would say, yes, of course. Do you want to experience the Red Sea? Of course we want to experience the parting of the Red Sea. I want to be walking through the Red Sea with walls of water next to me. But the question is, do you want to be at the Red Sea before the Red Sea parted? Do you want to be at the edge of that cliff when cherries behind you are chasing after you and you, there's nothing to walk toward except a sea of water? Are you willing to be at that spot and say, God, you're going to show up. I'm going to trust in your power. Because if you're not willing to be there, you don't get to walk through the Red Sea. Are you willing to be on the boat like Peter? When the disciples, the, the, the water is going crazy and in the boat and they saw Jesus walking on water. And Jesus told Peter, come walk to me. And Peter stepped out of the boat, walk on water toward Jesus. I think we will all sign up for that. I want to walk on water, forget jet skiing. 
I would love to walk on water and go fishing. I don't need to go on a boat and get deep, go to deep sea fishing. I can walk on water with a rod. That's amazing. But the question is, are you willing to get off the boat and step on water? You see, the reason why God allow us to experience something, to go through more than what we can handle, it is an opportunity for us to experience his power. By God's grace, our church together have seen a miracle. Those of you who've been with us, you know that the fact, the reality of getting this church building in itself is a miracle. Our church is not the richest of church. We're not the biggest of church. By human speaking, we should not be able to get the church that we have. We can't afford it. We have no way of funding it on our own. And if you remember the, the service where we celebrate uh, our first day being in this church, the testimony this poured out that was shared, how God show up powerfully through people outside of this church, through people inside of this church. But you see, we can't tell those stories if we're not willing to step through those trials, those difficult places, if we're not willing to step in and say, we're going to go for it because God has led us. We will never be able to experience God's power in that way. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, the hardest is to be a parent. I've, I've, led, I've led college kids halfway around the world to a Muslim country to do mission. I've roughed it out somewhere in the middle of nowhere for weekends on. But the hardest thing for me in my life up to this point is to be a father to my children particularly the first time being a father holding a baby wondering what is going on god has given me this light to take care of this is way more than what i can handle i cannot wake up every three hours to feed this kid i can barely take care of my own life how what am i going to do as a father Every parent will tell you that first day when the kid came into your life. There's no more moments in your life that's more overwhelming than that. A life has been given to me to steward well. I remember those early days as a father. And actually, even to these days, I still feel that this is way, parenting is way more than what I can handle. What if I say something wrong? What have I done something wrong? What if I forget something? And yet through it all, I see God working powerfully in my life. Not because I can do it, but because God gave me words to say. When my kids say things that I don't know how to answer. When those days are super tough that I don't even want to be home. God gave me the strength. To carry on, to to continue to care for my kids. To show up when I don't want to show up. To love them when there's no love in me, when I'm overwhelmed with whatever I'm going. God shows them in those moments and give me strength to do things I know, humanly speaking, is impossible to do. See, this is why God gave us more than what we can handle. 
so that we will come to the end of ourselves and know that we're powerless. But the Jesus Christ that we put our faith in is all powerful. But here's the last one. Not only God wants us to know that he's sovereign, he's all powerful. He wants us to get, he wants to get close to us. He's not just some sovereign king who's living above in heaven and say, yeah, I created this world. He's not just some powerful creator and just at arm's length and say, yeah, I can make some changes in this world. No, God wants to get up close and personal with us. And so one of the reasons why God allowed these things happen in our lives and more than what we can handle is simply because God wants to pour out his love for us. He wants to get up close to us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 says this. For we do not have a high priest, referring to Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But one in every respect has been tempted, as we are, yet without sin. You see, Jesus is not some faraway distant God who doesn't know what you're going through. Jesus can sympathize, meaning he can step into your shoes. He knows the troubles that you're going through, the weakness that you're facing, the temptation you're struggling, the trials that you're going through, the hardship, the fear, the, the, the fear that you have in your life. Jesus knows it all because he's been it all. I think it's so easy for us to, to, to miss this because this is one of the reasons why God has sent his son Jesus to come on earth. Yes, he came on earth to die for to pay for the ultimate sacrifice for your life and my life, to pay for the sins penalty for you and me. But more than that, he could have done that by just being bur- bur- uh, born and died. But he lived a life here on earth. He gone through the, the troubles that you have gone through. He gone through the, the weaknesses that you have gone through. And yet this passage reminds he came through without sinning. He had victory. He knows how you feel. And yet he did not succumb to those sins. See, it is easy for us to say, well, that's Jesus, right? But in reality, Jesus has gone, gone through it all. Let me run it through by you. Whatever that you're going through, Jesus has gone through. Jesus had lived in poverty. He told his disciples, he told his disciples, the, the birds of the air have, have nests, the foxes have holes, but the son of man have nowhere to lay his head. He doesn't even own a home. He doesn't own a house. He's wandering, living from places to places. At times he was homeless. Jesus knows what it means to live with poverty. He lives with very little. Jesus understood what it means to live in, with exhaustion, to experience tiredness, weariness. Jesus walked everywhere. The religious leader all around him trying to, trying, trying to find a way to accuse him, trying to kill him. Jesus spent most of his time raising people from the dead, teaching people, healing the sick. At one time, he was so, so demanded by people. The only way for him to find himself a long time is to be on a boat in the middle of the sea. Jesus knew what it meant to be tired, to be stressed out. Jesus knew what it meant to have a lot of things on his plate. Jesus lived often in exhaustion. Jesus was exhausted in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating blood because of the pressure and the stress that he was dealing with your sin and my sin and what would to come. Jesus know what it meant to be betrayed. You have been hurt by people. Jesus has been hurt by his closest disciples. Peter denied him three times. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. 
every one of the disciples walked away from him when he needed the disciples the most. When Jesus brought him out to pray, he, they couldn't even stay awake for an hour to pray with him. Jesus knew what it meant to be betrayed, disappointed, hurt, abandoned. On that cross, he experienced true suffering, true death. Jesus knew what it meant for a human to die. Because he died. He was crucified. He did not just die peacefully. Flesh was torn out of his body. Blood was dripping, was pouring out of his body. He was hung on. He felt the pressure of the nails on his hands and his feet. He knew what pain, excruciating pain means. And worst of all, he knows what it meant to be forsaken by the Father. Jesus knew what it meant. When the relationship with his father was strained, separated. You see, you and I might not care about that when we were not a believer. We might live happily, even being forsaken by the father. But God, Jesus himself knew what it meant to be separated from God. Because he knew what it meant also to be in perfect union with the father. And so he went through that, and that's one of the reasons why he came on earth to die for you and I, so that you and I don't have to be forsaken by the Father, so that we don't have to live in a consequence for eternal consequence or being separated from the Father, living in eternal damnation and hell, so that we can be reunited with the Father in heaven. We can live in fullness with the Father. Though we might do that in, in, in glimpses on earth, but we will do that in heaven in complete fullness. And Jesus went through for being forsaken by the Father so that you and I don't have to be forsaken by the Father. And because Jesus went through all of that, he can identify with you. So church, whatever you're going through, Jesus has gone through. And because he has gone through this, this is the truth that he wanted to give us. That God is not, the lie is God won't give us more than what I can handle. But here's the truth. God won't give me more than what he can handle through you. If Jesus can handle being forsaken for, by the Father, Jesus can handle death. Jesus can handle being betrayed, being, being crucified, being denied, being exhausted. Jesus could handle all of that. What that means is what you're going through, Jesus can handle too. Not only he wants to, he can't handle, but he wants to handle it with you and through you. Here's the good news. Because I believe some of us are going through those valleys. What are physical things that we cannot handle? Mental things that we can handle, emotional things that we can't handle, even at times spiritual burden that we feel like I cannot handle. The Jesus who can sympathize with us, yet without sin, continues to follow with a promise and an invitation for you. He says this, let us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And yes, God will give us more than what we can handle. That is truth. 
But the better truth is that Jesus is inviting you and I with confidence. Just like what we saying earlier. That he has never failed us. He will do it again and again and again. And he's inviting us to draw near to him. Not to perform. Not to say, Jesus, I'm here. I can do it. No, he said, come draw. He's drawing us to his throne. And he says, I want you to receive things from me. Receive this mercy that you don't deserve. Receive this grace that I've died for for you. And when you are drowning in life, God didn't tell you, go make it up yourself. Go make it out of it yourself. It's like God, Jesus Christ, jump into the water, hug you and take you out of the water, rescue you from that. That's the invitation God has given to you. So stop believing that God won't give you, give us more than what we can handle. No, God wants to give us more than what we can handle so that we can experience his love. We can experience his power so that we can experience that he is God. So I want to ask you to close your eyes. I just wanted to pray for us. I, pr- I want to pray particularly for those of us who feels like life is more than what they can handle right now. You don't need to show your hands. You don't need to click on the raising hand button here in emoji. But what I do want you to do is this. And wherever you are, I want you to come before the Lord and just open up your hands like this as a sign, as a commitment to draw near to God. And I want to pray for you. Because as we come before him, Hebrews tells us we get to receive his mercy, receive his grace. So as a gesture of receiving from the Lord, if you are drowning in your life, you find that there's no, you don't see the light in the tunnel, whatever you're going through right now, big or small, you need to receive mercy and grace from God. I want to invite you, go ahead and open up your hands right where you are. And I want to pray over you. Father, I come before you and pray for every one of us who have their hands wide open. Because this is a declaration, an acknowledgement, an admitment that we can handle our lives. God, we don't have the bandwidth. We don't have the wisdom. We don't get the strength to handle what is in front of us, what is in our lives. So, God, we're opening our eyes and come before your throne of grace. We come before Jesus, our King, who knows us, who sympathizes with us, with our weaknesses. So, Lord, we claim this promise from Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that we come in confidence that you will give us your grace and your mercy to walk us through this time of need. So, God, I pray and I know that, God, you know what each one of us are battling through. God, you know where is the breaking point in our lives. So, God, be there, stand in the gap for us. Lord, pour out your power in us. 
Lord, if it is for some of us just being uh, living to the respons- living up to the responsibility that we have, going to school, doing home, we have no ability to do that, God, we won't need to receive your grace and mercy to help us do that. Lord, if for those who drifted away from you, for those who are dealing with uh, life's brokenness in our life, Lord, we can't handle it. We can't handle it in our emotion, in emotional life, in our mental life. Lord, give us the peace that only comes from you. Lord, if there are some among us who, who feel like they can't even come close to you because they feel guilty, they have no heart and no love for you, God, I pray that you will put in their lives grace and mercy that, God, you are their father. Oh, God, we pray that you feel filled up these hands, fill up these hearts and to know that, God, you are sovereign. You're all-powerful. Most importantly, God, you love us. So draw us near to you, God. Or be a, help us to be of good comfort. Help us to have faith in all that we cannot handle in this life. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to respond in a time of worship in one more song. Uh, this song is called Forever. It is a great reminder for us that this life is not our final destination. And we've been given a greater promise that one day we'll be with God forever. And though there might be trouble, trials in this life as God walking through us is never easy. But we look forward to the day that all will be well. There will be no more tears, no more pain. So let's sing this together as a response to God.